Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in in your open space. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is Errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Welcome to Move the Sticks. I am excited today because I'm joined by my good buddy, Lance Zellon, stepping in for DJ LZ. How you doing? I'm doing good. What's up, Bob? Man, it is all good. So look, we got a jam-packed podcast today. We're going to talk about a few different things. We got some big uh, signings. George Kittle signs, Everson Griffin signs. Uh, we're going to deal with the fallout of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 uh, postponing their seasons. And then we're going to talk about some of the opt-out guys that you have been working on. So without further ado, let's get right to it. Um, Lance, right out the gate, George Kittle signs a five-year, $75 million extension with the San Francisco 49ers, $30 million of that guaranteed at signing. What are your immediate thoughts? I mean, you know, he's the best in the game in terms of being an impact player right now and explosive, you know, creates the explosive plays. He's right there with Travis Kelsey, obviously. But I think the big difference is he's a guy that fits into Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's um, run blocking as well. He's got dog in him, and he's a, he's a good run blocker, and I think that's one of the reasons that you see him as a highest paid. We all love Travis Kelsey, and I think the personalities of those two uh, tight ends are very, very similar on the field. They're brazen. They're, they're cocky. They're talented. But, 
you know, of the two, one of them is a much better blocker and has an impact on the zone scheme stuff that they do. So there's no doubting what he can do down the field. And that offense really does take advantage of the tight end position. But one thing I learned when when Kyle Shanahan was here with Gary Kubiak and in, in studying Gary Kubiak's offense uh, for years here in Houston is that when they had Owen Daniels, who was a good tight end, you can take an average blocker and make him an, an above average blocker. You can take a below average and make him an average if they're willing to work. Kittle came out of Iowa when I wrote him up and I was like, man, he's he's a little undersized, but he's he's a plus blocker at this position. And now he's really elevated his game. And we see now that he's outside of Iowa's offense and he's inside of a Shanahan offense. He's become who he's become. Yeah, he's become a dominant player. And I think what's interesting is the level of compensation. So they're paying him right at $15 million. Lance, I had Nabil look, look the numbers up. Lance Johnson, like Larry McTunsell is in another stratosphere when it comes to left tackles. But Lance Johnson's right there at $18 million. Austin Hooper is at $10.5 million. He was the top of the market. I think he is being compensated for being the unique talent that he is. Yes, he's a tight end, a pass-catching tight end that makes plays, but he's also a dominant blocker. And I think they slotted him in as such. He is a unique player at the position at a time where it is hard to find what I call those old-school Y tight ends. He's an old-school Y+. Plus. He's a, he's a, he's an old school wide. Plus, he has the ability to really make plays in the passing game. And I think his agent um, they wanted to make sure that he was compensated for being the special player that he is. Yeah, and and they did just that. And I don't think that I think it's also a shout out to the fact that when you think about some of the offenses we've seen in the past, um, Kansas City previously before Tyreek, but but especially with Tony Gonzalez, you've seen uh, Philip Rivers and the Chargers with Antonio Gates, we have seen offenses that can run behind a dominant tight end. You don't have to have dominant classic wide receiver ones for these offenses to to go. I mean, you'd, you'd prefer to have both. But I think with San Francisco, we've seen – I mean, they went to a Super Bowl and, and they had – you know they had some good wide receivers, but I mean, Trav. But but you, um, we're talking about a tight end who has uh, in Kittle who has the ability to create mismatches that are really really difficult to solve. And I think you made a that's pretty interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. So Lane Johnson was eighteen million, and then the Texans for whatever reason went about twenty two percent over over that value for uh, you know for Laramie Tunsil. And then you look at this number and it does feel like a minus tackle, like yes. you're dropping on the tackle front. And that's a really interesting way to look at that because he does have a unique impact on on uh, on the running game. Yeah, I mean, he's such a dominant blocker. When you've seen the statistics based on how he impacts the 49ers run game, their yards per carry goes up, their explosive runs go up when he is on the field. Um, I think you have to treat him like a unique difference maker. I think another guy who is a difference maker who really sat on the market for a long time was Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin signs a one-year contract that is valued up to $6 million with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, LZ, this is one of the better pass rushers in the league. What is your thought of him joining the Cowboys? What does he add to that team? Well, I mean, even last year at eight sacks, he might not be the same guy. He's going to turn 33 in December, but he is special from a standpoint of speed to power. There's not a lot of guys who are the bullies on the edge that he is. And even though he's been in the league for a while, he still has something left in the tank. We know that. So now you've added Alden Smith, who is a real wild card. We don't know what we're going to see from him. You've added Everson Griffin. And when I look at the I, I look at who else the Cowboys have and said, OK, why did they need to go get Everson Griffin? 
First of all, it's a great contract. Three-year base, three years worth of bonuses, $6 million total. Nothing for a player that, that can have the impact for him. That's a fen- phenomenal deal for the team. And, you know, I, there's another way to look at it. We know Lawrence is a baller, but then you look at who else can help out. So I looked at the depth. and You got Joe Jackson, who they draft in the fifth, kind of a, a little bit of a stiff, big, mm-hmm. strong edge guy. But, you know, not really anyone to get you excited. They drafted Bradley and I this year. This may be – their way of saying, look, we think Bradley and I is going to take a while. We're not sure he's the guy right now because this could be a one-year rental. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing for a guy like Bradley and I, uh, who is a middle-round pick, to learn under Everson Griffin a little bit, even though they're different style of rushers. So if you want to win now, that's a good pickup. He is a guy, Bucky, that you're getting on the cheap, and he's a player who – you know, I think players on the Cowboys can really learn from him because he is uniquely suited to teach guys the the art of bully ball. And that's what he plays on the edge. Yeah, I think this really speaks to what Mike Nolan wants to do. I think Mike Nolan was uh, kind of was, was forced like Mike Nolan is a three, four disciple. That's what he really loves. That's the defensive scheme that he, that he wants to eventually move to the Cowboys to. Mike McCarthy has said on record that they wanted to be a four man front. When I looked at the personnel prior to getting Everson Griffin, they were going to be forced to be more of a hybrid 4-3 team. Because when you look at Alden Smith, Randy Gregory, if reinstated, Bradley and I, the guys that they had playing the opposite edge rusher um, from D-Law, they were more stand-up 3-4 guys. Well, now that you get Everson Griffin, he is clearly the starter at that opposite end, and it allows them to really play a true 4-3. Now with Alden Smith and Randy Gregory, you can put those guys in as like those designated hitters. When they come off the bench, yeah, you can stand them up and do some of the exotic stuff that you want to do from a 3-4, but you're not married to having to play that 3-4 scheme. I think it really gave them a legitimate rusher, and I also think he's an upgrade over what Robert Quinn was. You know, are they going – I'm trying to recall if Minnesota ever reduced him down inside on rushdowns. I don't think they had any reason to. I wonder if that's something they're going to consider is taking Griffin, reducing him down so that they can get those 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 DPRs like Gregory, like Alden Smith on the field. They certainly can because when you have Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe on the inside, Gerald McCoy has, has – ballooned a little bit in terms of his size he can kick down and play the one technique if you do slide everson griffin inside and bring alden smith off the bench to let him be the rusher on the backside you certainly have a nascar package that is intriguing and i think that's a good observation on you because i don't think you want to keep don terry poe on the field on third down on obvious rushdowns no and, and it is interesting though because they're putting together a hell of a team from 2017 like <laughs> mccoy and poe and you you hear these names and you say, damn, Griff, you know, Everson Griffin, yeah. Poe, McCoy. Now you're seeing how much you still have left, how much is name, how much is game. And that's always once you hit 30 plus, it's always a, a question of how much is name and how much is game, because those guys are always going to carry the reputation. Fans are going to get hype about a guy like Everson Griffin coming in because of the name. But I think with, with Everson Griffin, the game is still there. Is it what it was in his prime and his peak? No, it's probably not. But it, does it have to be with D-Law on the other end? No, it doesn't have to be. You just need to have a guy that defenses fear or offenses fear and guys who can take advantage of lesser tackles uh, in front of him. So I think that's what he's going to provide. I think I think this is a very shrewd move by Dallas. I do think it's interesting that we still have Jadavion Clowney 
unsigned. And I don't know if this is more of a function of Jadavion saying no to some money he maybe should have said yes to earlier mm-hmm. in the process. Team's yeah. not buying into his work ethic. I could tell you this, just a little a hint, some insight here. He's working out here in Houston. I talked to Danny Arnold. I talked to an NFL personnel executive who was here in Houston. And I talked to my dad who was working out with Max Sharp in the offensive guard with the Texans. And he was he got a chance to talk to Jadavion Clowney at, at Danny Arnold's workout facility here in Houston. He said, Lance, I got to tell you, I was really impressed with him. He seems like he's really matured. He understands that that he needs to pick up the pace and become a better player and get more skilled. Um, you know, he and my dad were talking about O-line, D-line stuff, pass rush versus pass protection. He came away impressed with him. A personnel guy I talked to came away very impressed with him. I, I personally believe that he's well worth the one-year test run uh, uh, for Jadavion Clowney. I think he can have a big impact, but I think it's curious that he's not signed yet. And I wonder if this is really Jadavion being his own worst enemy in terms of what he's willing to take at this point and reading the market. Yeah, I think um, in bringing Jadavion Clowney up, I think two things are at play. One, I don't think Jadavion Clowney has a true understanding of what his value is. Um, You typically don't pay $20 million for a run-stopping defensive end. And because he's never had double-digit sacks, um, he's always kind of teased you and left you wanting more. I I don't think you can commit major money to him, even though there were teams that were willing to pay him a bunch of money on his reputation, being a former number one pick and the flashes that he's displayed. The other thing I will say this about Jadevian Clowney and the work ethic and those things. Bill O'Brien got like blasted when he traded Jadevian Clowney. But when you talk to some people in that building, he wasn't the hardest worker. He didn't want to necessarily be there at training camp. He was always looking for a way out when it came to Victory Monday. Um, Look, his reputation as being kind of a lukewarm worker, that goes all the way back to South Carolina. And so we can talk to him now. He can talk about picking it up. But, man, can a leopard change his spots? Is it too late for us to buy into Jadavian Clowney being the, the next version, a new improved version of the guy that entered the league years and years ago? You know, you make a great point. Going back to South Carolina, that was the big concern was work ethic. But the talent and the traits, you know, won out. And, and here he was, the first pick. And he's been a – you know, what is interesting for a guy – who does have the reputation. I've heard some of the same things behind the scenes in terms of, you know, the work ethic here with the Texans as well. However, I will say, and this is, this is to his credit when the lights are on and the kickoff is kicked, he plays hard. If you watch him and isolate him on tape, he is chasing from the backside. The, 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 the plays where usually guys who don't have the great motors were geared down, you don't really see that with Clowney. And that's a little unusual for me based on his you know, perceived work ethic and some of those issues. But I think you're, you're hitting on something that's very important, which is second contracts and guaranteed money of second contracts. Boy, those are usually reserved for guys who are ultra productive or have phenom- or who are who are productive like Clowney, who have great football character. And I think the reputation for him is he doesn't have the great football character. He has the talent. He has the ability. He's not a bad guy. And I didn't have a problem with Bill O'Brien trading. I, I thought maybe he could have got a little bit more for him. But if you look, if you don't like, and I don't know your thoughts on this, Bucky, but I don't have a problem. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, so he doesn't practice hard. Who cares? You know, it's what he does in the game. No, setting the tempo, setting the tone, setting the culture 
it is very important. It was important to the Steelers when they were winning championships. It's been important to the Ravens. It's been important to the Patriots. It does matter. Culture does matter. It does matter. And it's, it's funny because um, Jadamie Clowney is holding out hope for that big contract, but a guy who was able to get that contract because he does exhibit those things that you're talking about are Joey, Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa recently signed that five-year, $135 million deal that just put him in a different stratosphere when it came to the amount of money that he collects as a pass rusher. But we got a chance to see him sign that deal on Hard Knocks. And Hard Knocks um, was fascinating to me to watch only because there's so much about the bubble that we don't know, right? We've heard so much about the testing and how teams have reconfigured their facilities Lance, I don't know about you, but having a peek inside behind the curtain to see what teams are doing, um, a completely different way of life when it comes to NFL training camps. Yeah, I thought it was incredible. We, we've heard about the bubble from the NBA, and it's been mostly successful. We know about some of the problems that Major League Baseball has had. You know, I think, unfortunately, I've heard Max Kellerman and some other people on national shows I think they've said some really unfair things about the NFL doesn't have a plan. The NFL doesn't have the protocols in place. They're not sharing information. I I just don't think that's been accurate. They do have protocols just because they're not putting everything out there publicly doesn't mean they're not communicating with the teams. We were on a conference call a couple of weeks ago with, 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 Dr. Sills of the NFL. And I thought it was a great call. I I really gleaned a lot of information. And I came away from that call feeling very, very confident about the league playing. Then I talked to a friend of mine who's uh, a director of personnel for an NFL team who he told me about his their protocols and and what they did for um, COVID testing on a daily basis and and results were coming back at 4 a.m. They were getting email emails of their results and he told me about the cleaning process and the way he was blown away. Then we actually see it firsthand on Hard Knocks and I I think it's hard to come away from watching that Hard Knocks and if you've been reading on this which we have it's hard to come away from all of this and not think the NFL has given itself and I'm just being straight up not Mm -hmm. because we're doing this podcast I'm just being real i think they've given themselves the best opportunity to have a successful season with the amount of time effort you know frankly money that they're putting into it yeah no i think they they really set themselves up well i I think from the testing standpoint for the way they've reconfigured the facilities we saw the la rams kind of move everything outside uh so they can have their meetings and the space uh we i mean the testing is is Remarkable in terms of the amount of times they're getting tested, how they're getting tested, uh, some of the practices that they're implementing uh, during the practice day in terms of the social distancing and those things, I think it's going to go off without a hitch. And is one of the things that I'm fascinated now. The next time I see Hard Knocks, I would like to see a little more ball. I would like to see them put the helmets on and do a little bit more. And so I do believe that we're going to get a chance to see that. And so just make sure everyone that is tuning in, make sure you check out the Hard Knocks podcast hosted by Peter Schrager. Also, Hard Knocks, the TV show, airs next week, Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern on HBO. You know, you mentioned, by the way, Joy Bosa. Where does he come from? Ooh, Ohio State. The Ohio State. See, Bucky? As a radio professional, and you're also in the radio business now, this is what's known as a segue. And so Uh as I segue us into the Ohio (laughs) State and the Big Ten, you know, the big talk on my sports talk radio show over the last two days has been, will they or won't they with the Big Ten and the Pac-12? Well, we got the answer. The Big Ten shut down college football. The Pac-12 shut down college football. As we record this, the the three other Power Five conferences are still uh, planning on playing football. 
But this has really gotten interesting for me because the early opt-outs, Bucky, were giving me a chance to get a mm-hmm. head start on guys that were going pros. Um, and I did make one mistake, a guy named Jordan Reed, a tackle for Michigan State. I saw he was opting out. So I'm watching tape. I'm literally writing him up. I've almost got his write-up completed. And I realized, wait a minute, he could technically go back to school. I need to check into this. And sure enough, he said, I'm taking this year off. But I am coming back to school. I'm working on my graduate degree in 2021. And I realized, you know, you have to be careful on opt-outs because that doesn't mean everybody is going pro. That means they're just taking the year off. And the same thing can be said uh, for for the the potential pro prospects and even seniors in the Pac-12 and in the Big Ten. But without a doubt, Bucky, I'm already faced with some very interesting challenges looking at guys like Rondell Moore from Purdue, who was already opting out and going to the NFL well, I mean, this is a guy who's played 17 games. He played, I think, three games last year, uh, four games last year before he got hurt. I think he played four games. He was in his fifth game before he got hurt. So I'm having to go back and watch all of 18 to write him up uh, in the limited amount of targets in 19. I'm going back for a guy like Walker Little from Stanford. Bucky, I got to go back to 18 and 18 <laughs> only because he didn't play in 2019. And I don't even know if he's coming out, but Walker Little, if he comes out, I've got to go two years back because I won't have any tape on him in 19 at all. And he won't have played football for two straight years. So now I've got to consider that in making projections. This is, and you'll find it when you have to get into a full time, this is really going to be a challenge because now um, you've got other players who are going to be coming out in, 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 you know, in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten that we're going to have to write up and we're going to have to rely on old tape. And that's just the way it is. There's no way around it. No, there's no way around it. So it'll be interesting because, Lance, this is a year where um, a lot of times, you know, because you have guys that are not only high-end scouts, but guys that are still kind of making their way as area scouts or college scouts and just kind of doing it. This will be the year where those guys would be the most important part of the evaluation process. Those guys that have mind the area that have done all the dirty work and the background work for the last couple of years, they'll have to lean on some of their contacts and the tape evaluations to be able to make those things happen. So Bucky, let me ask you this question as an area scout, let's say you have the PAC 12 or you have um, the big 10, the tape is a tape. You can get even deeper into it if you want, but, but what is it that an area scout's going to be doing now for a big 10 prospect who's coming out? Like, is it all PI work basically where you're having to go behind the scenes? Like, what do you think that an area scout can do now? Well, I think it has to be the PI work. And if you have done, uh your, your job, like if you've been in the same area for a while, you already kind of knew who was coming down the pipeline. So you knew about the Sean Ways before he was um, coming up to this year. You, you knew about Justin Fields. You heard about the reputation. Also, you paid close attention to the guys that come in with like the heavy high school reputation. And so you have to lean on those things. You got to do some PR work, meaning you got to call you guys at the school that you really trust and get the intel on these guys. But then what you have to do, even more this year than any other year, you have to be able to look at 18 and 19 tape and kind of project how the player would play or how we would continue to develop um, and make that evaluation. Lance, it really reminds me back in the early 2000s when you were scouting. This is before it was always a million underclassmen coming in. It would only be a handful of juniors that would come in. And back then you couldn't talk about the juniors when you were on your visits. So you would have to kind of run back and figure out who these guys are. 
I think this year will be more like the early 2000s when it comes to that. Far more projections. And I will say the scary part of it is when you're drafting based off projections, the, the, the hit and miss rate really fluctuates because you really don't know what you're getting as opposed to maybe kind of going for the double on the guy that has played three or four years and you have that tape on him. So you at least know what his floor is based on how he's improved over the course of his time. I got two guys for you that 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 nails two guys that I have concerns about because I'm having to project them now. So one is Greg Rousseau, the defensive end. And I know DJ is very, very high on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a call. You know, you know how this works. I get a call from a team, from a guy on a team um, who says, hey, have you watched or he – yeah, no, he calls. He said, have you watched the kid from Miami, the DN? I said, no, not yet. He said, I want you to watch him and tell me what you think. I said, you know, it's funny that you say that because I just saw something that, that DJ said where DJ's really high. He goes, okay, thank you. This is why I'm calling you. What is DJ looking at? I don't see him as a t- – like, and he was going off saying – and he talked to some other people uh, on a couple other teams – and, and they don't see it either. They don't see a top 10 type player. Now, I turned a tape on and I and I get it. I get it. But he's long. He's gaining weight. He's a former wide receiver who has one year of defensive end. The dude had 15 and a half sacks. He had a ton of tackles, uh, tackles for losses. But as this personnel guy said, wait a minute, go watch the tape. I said, well, you know, I know DJ's hyped on the production and he's only done it for one year and he's already 15 and a half sacks. He goes, Go watch where he does it from zero technique. He's 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 being he's on the move from zero technique against centers and guards on games up front where he's getting some good matchups and easy looks. That's not what he's going to see in the NFL. And so when I watched him, so I got one year tape. Okay, let me start with the negatives. I got one year tape. He's not a guy that consistently threatens the edge with twitch. He's not a super twitchy guy. Yes, he's very long, but his skill level is still underdeveloped. And um, and he needs to get much stronger in his lower body. He's a little bit thin on the lower body. Okay, here's how you got to flip it. The guy's had one year at defensive end from wide receiver, and he already put together production for you. Number two, he's going to get better. He's going to get more skilled with more times. His hand's going to get better. He's going to learn how to attack the edge a little bit better and grease the edge. Um, I. I didn't think he was soft. I thought he was kind of finesse, but I didn't think he was soft. And there's a big difference. I think he has some dog mentality inside him because I could see him take on double teams. He's just not a big burly guy and has got to learn to, to bend better. But I didn't think he was soft. But but I don't know now. But this is all I got, Bucky. This is all I got. Caleb Farley, cornerback for, for Virginia Tech. I'm like, man. Caleb Farley gets lost in coverage from off coverage, but I like him from press, but he only pressed 27% of the time, according to pro football folks' alignment numbers. So he only pressed 27% 27 of the time. I liked what I saw when he pressed. I loved the the size. I loved the makeup speed, but the tape was a little bit uneven. And and the same, and I'm going to tell you something that's interesting. The same guy that was beating up Rousseau, he told me I need to be careful about beating up Farley because he only had two years at cornerback because he wasn't he was a quarterback in high school. So there's kind of some of the inconsistency of an NFL guy saying, I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got to give this corner more time to learn the position. He's only had two years, but he didn't extend the same courtesy, if you will, yeah. uh, to Rousseau. So it's it's tough. 
Buck, it's tough to use this on these projecting these two-year guys who are changing positions. So, so it's a challenge, right? So first about yeah. the Rousseau thing. The Rousseau thing is a little concerning only because like, that's not a typical transition that you see. You don't see guys that go from being wide receivers to pass rushers. And so we can talk about his game being finesse, but the thing that will really reveal who he is, how does he handle the run game at him? When they line up and they put the tight end at him, and it's hard sometimes in the college tape to see them line up, put a tight end over top, and run hit right at him. How is he going to do dealing with the George Kittles? How is he going to do with the Larry Tonsils that are going to be I lined up? I tried to find it. I tried to like, find it. I, I couldn't find it in college. Right, so, so you won't see that. Also, when you move a guy inside and you're moving him around to allow him to use his speed and quickness, like that's great. But as the scout, you got to figure out, well, how much of that is transferable? Can he do that in the big boy game? Can he go down inside and do those same things? I just don't know because, man, when you get down there, you're dealing with the monsters like that, you don't like to put guys down there if they don't like to kind of get in the briar patch when it comes to those guys. With Caleb Farley, you never scout the helmet, but here's what I would tell you about Virginia Tech and Virginia Tech corners. Virginia Tech is a under Bud Foster heavy blitz system. The ball has to come out. Typically at Virginia Tech, their corners do not have to cover for a long time. They've right. had a, a lot of corners that have come out of there. What was the kid's name? Macho. That was hype yeah. Jimmy Williams all those guys that have come out of there that since D'Angelo Williams they haven't been able to necessarily big long guys for the most part they haven't been able to do it I will say when I looked at Farley I like the height I like the athleticism I like some of the ball skills and traits he does have to improve his footwork from off I thought in the right system and I hate to keep saying this the Seattle system where they're really playing more zone uh, Indianapolis teams where he's playing zone he can get eyes on the quarterback um, I think it'll work. But Lance, I think you bring up some stuff that we all will have to work through this year when we're doing the evaluations. How do we gauge what a player is? How do we project it? And how do we project it when it comes to draft day? That is certainly going to be the challenge going forward. Yeah. And when you look at, I mean, the first pick of the draft is the greatest example. Joe Burrow, to me, had a sixth, seventh round grade after I watched him in the summer. Tape wasn't good. Wasn't able to, to to beat corners with his arm. He was in a system that was not made for him. The He got better in the offseason. He got into a system that made more sense. He gained confidence. He developed. And then he became the first pick of the draft. I mean, that's the most stark example of how, if, let's say Joe Burrow had a season canceled. We would have never seen that Joe Burrow. That Joe, Joe Burrow wouldn't have existed and may have never played football on the professional level ever again. I thought Sonny Michelle looked like a third to fourth rounder when I watched him um, as a junior. Then when I watched his senior year, I was like, dude, this guy is talented. He looks like a better runner. And he ended up going in the first round. So guys do help themselves a lot that third year to fourth year or that second year to third year. There's no question there's a jump. And it's going to be a jump that we're going to have to project off of old tape and off of traits. And, and man, I, I can't tell people, you know, Bucky, that is going to be a real, real challenge because mentality of what type how coachable are you and how um, much do you love the game to work on it is going to play a big part. And that's not always easy for us to know unless we're getting information from inside those programs. No, it's not. And real, real quick before um, we scoot, um, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and even Trevor Lawrence 
all of these quarterbacks that are projected to potentially be at the top of the board. They all are guys that are pretty much one-year guys. I know people are going to talk about Trevor Lawrence being a two-year guy, but really when you look at him, he's a a one-and-a-half-year starter based on how he played at Clemson. And so the thing about the quarterbacks, we know those guys are going to be pushed up the board, but Lance, it's going to be scarier now than ever if you're a team in need of a franchise quarterback. If you go all in on one of these guys, what is going to be the plan to get them ready to play? What do, what do you quickly see from those guys when, when you've had a chance to just kind of talk about them or look at them? Well, so, you know, it's interesting. When I watched Haskins, I have to bring up Haskins because he was a one-year guy and he was also from Ohio State. Haskins had the arm. Haskins had the size. Haskins could throw the deep ball. But there was there were some things that Fields does when I watched him this year that I feel like he has a better feel mm-hmm. for the for the game. And Haskins Haskins was a guy who was raised to be a quarterback. I thought Haskins' football intelligence is a big plus for him. But there was something about Justin Fields' feel for the game, and he's a little more escapable as well, which certainly helps. Um, I like what I've seen from Trevor Lawrence. I didn't think last year's tape was def- default first pick of the draft stuff. I think we're working off of traits and we're working off the freshman year yeah, for I, sure. Yeah, I, th- I think because people have just put his name up there like he's a, a no-brainer. I don't think they've studied. And the two games that I would say go back and watch, Ohio State and LSU. Even yeah. though he made some big plays in the Ohio State game, he was not um, at a level. And I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like Justin Fields outplayed him in that game. He did. Um, with the exception, that interception at the end that I won't put on him, I would put on the wide receiver. I Stop felt like... I feel like Justin Fields outplayed Trevor Lawrence. And I know that um, Lawrence is in the pole position, but it would be interesting when people really dig in and look. I don't know if it's a lock that he is the number one. And then I'll say this about Trey Lance before we get out. I love Trey Lance, but the challenge will be because Trey Lance played at a slightly lower level of competition and he is a bit of a one-year player. How can you put him on the same plane as Lawrence and Fields when we saw them play against high-level competition week in, week out. That's not a knock on Lance and not saying that he can't do it, but I think from an evaluation standpoint, you also have to scout the opposition, and he didn't play the same level of competition consistently. And so I do believe you got to kind of just be a little more conservative with your grade based on that fact. So for Trey Lance, what I'm going to do is I'm going to – I am going to grade him against – I'm pulling up my old scouting report um, on Carson Wentz, and I'm going to look at strengths, weaknesses, and I'm going to compare the two. And I'm grading him very specifically against Carson Wentz and my memory of of Wentz when I scouted him. And I can tell you this. Carson Wentz, I thought, had some special leadership traits when I got to watch him, talk to him, evaluate him at the Senior Bowl. That was something that I had the advantage of of doing that gave me a little bit better insight into Carson Wentz. But I've got the tape against similar competition that we're going to see Lance. I mean, it's the same team. So I'm going to look at the strengths that I had for Wentz. I'm not going to look at it until I'm done writing up Lance. And then once I'm done writing him up, I'm going to see how he compares to Carson Wentz. And I think that's going to give me a little bit better feel because that's a better apples-to-apples comparison than saying – Trevor Lawrence, who's been in all these high leverage games and, and Fields, who's been in all these high leverage yeah. games versus a guy who hasn't been up to this point. Yeah, it will be a very, very uh, interesting evaluation and conversation. And Lance, I, I think we got to bring you back on so we can dig a little deeper into these guys as we go 
through the process. If you're inspired by the ongoing conversation with players, the NFL launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities through exercising the right to vote. Join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com slash votes to learn more. Hey, Lance, it is always a fascinating discussion when we get a chance to go on. Um, I'm looking forward to bringing you back on and maybe we can bring you back on with DJ so we can talk yeah. about some of these projected guys because this year is unlike any year that we've experienced in the scouting world. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it. So that is it. That is it for the Move to Six podcast today. Make sure you continue to log in and download and stream all of our podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Move the Sticks podcast. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in your open space you can rent a car a house even that little black party dress so why not rent the stuff you need for your home too the place to do it is errands choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love online or in store pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever but if life changes you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new rent what you need it's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. 
Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination. So pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.